Welcome, and thank you for listening to the podcast of North Etowah Baptist Church. Visit us online at northetowah.org. Rather than church being a place where people far from God are met with shame, guilt, and condemnation, we believe Jesus leads us to be a family that extends His grace, mercy, and forgiveness to everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's service. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 19 in just a moment. Billy Graham passed away on Wednesday, February the 21st, this past week. I dare say he is probably the most influential preacher of the 20th century. He provided counsel to every president from Harry Truman to Barack Obama. For those of you that don't remember history well, you have Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush Sr., Clinton, Bush Jr., and then Obama. Twelve presidents. His large indoor and outdoor revivals, he called them crusades, are still being broadcast well into the 21st century. Billy Graham, he preached crusades from 1947 until 2005 when he had to go into retirement for health reasons. He preached live to audiences numbering more than 200 and 15 million people. In more than 185 countries and territories, he's reached hundreds of millions more through TV, radio, video, film, webcast. It has been estimated that more than 2.2 billion have heard Billy Graham preach. And you know what they heard at the conclusion of every one except one that I read in the Billy Graham archives. My understanding is he concluded every crusade every night with an invitation. Can anyone tell me what that song was? Just as I am. Just as I am was Billy Graham's signature hymn. Billy Graham, he became a Christian in 1934 under the preaching of Mordecai Ham. And that night they played and sang Just as I am. Today, we sing, especially in Protestant churches and especially in Southern Baptist churches, we like to sing just as I am. It's still a hymn of response that is used more than any other. But today, listen to this, close friends. Bear with me. We come to Jesus just as we are. We come to him just as I am. 
But the question that I want to pose to you this morning is what exactly are you? When we say we come just as I am, what exactly are you saying that you are? When you come to Jesus, what is it that just as I am means? Today let's consider, what is a lost sinner that is just as I am? Let's consider the rich young ruler here in Matthew chapter 19. Before we get to reading Matthew 19, I want you to note in verse 20 it says that he's a young dude. It says young. That Greek for that is neaniskos, neaniskos, neaniskos. That's the Greek word for that word young. That means he's probably under the, the age of 40 years of age. That means that he's probably about the same age as Jesus Christ. So Jesus and his person uh, uh, likely close to the exact same age are talking. So he's not talking to some young feller. He's talking to somebody about his same age, okay? So in Matthew 19, beginning with verse number 16, Matthew 19 and verse 16, it says this, God's word. It says, And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And if you would enter life, keep the commandments. Verse 18, he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Verse 21, Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And then in verse 22, When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day. And thank you for letting me feel the freedom to proclaim your word. And I know it's because your people are praying. And I pray right now that your word would be exalted. And that your son Jesus would be exalted in this time we have. And God, just let everything that is said bring honor and glory to the name of Christ our Lord. In his name I pray. Amen. Now we've probably heard just as I am hundreds of times. You have probably sang it hundreds of times. Maybe even more in your lifetime. But if we need to come to Jesus just as I am, what does that mean? What are you? Today I want us to let this rich young ruler show us what we are, okay? This is what this message is. This is what you were, or this is what you are right now before salvation. This is what you need to know that you are before you can be saved. The lost person is what? The unsaved person is what? The one who has not responded to Jesus and his offer of a free gift of salvation is what? The first thing is this. You are a child of Satan. A child of Satan. Mark it down. 
friend, I know that is harsh. That seems all, and, and I don't want you to be mad at me, please. But I know it sounds cruel almost, but it is true. If you do not have Christ, if you are not living for the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are a child of Satan. This young man calls Jesus in verse 16, he says, teacher. Why didn't he say Lord? Because he wasn't his Lord. He could not call him Lord because he wasn't his Lord. He couldn't call him Lord because why? He is a child of the devil. If you are not a Christian, you are a child of the devil. I've got scripture to back that up. Jot these down. John chapter 8 and verse 44. Jesus said, you are of your father the devil. In Isaiah, Isaiah 57 and verse 4, Isaiah said, Children of transgression, the offspring of deceit. In Jesus again in Matthew 13 and verse 38, he said, You are sons of the evil one. Paul, the great apostle Paul, said in Acts 13, 10, Son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. And then John said in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10, Children of the devil. Friend, if you don't have Jesus Christ, you are going the wrong direction and you are worshiping or you are a child, I should say, of the devil. This young man could not call Jesus Lord, but only teacher. Just as I am. What are you? If you are lost this morning, what are you? You are a child of Satan. Again, I know that's harsh, but it is true. If we come to Jesus just as we are, just as I am, what are you? Secondly, you are spiritually bankrupt. Spiritually bankrupt. In verses 16 and 17, notice the emphasis on good. In Matthew again, Matthew 19, verse 16 and 17, notice the emphasis on good. Jesus takes this and runs with it. This young man, just picture, he's probably a, a just thinking he's got it all figured out. He comes to Jesus thinking that goodness is a way to heaven. And sad to say, but it's true today too, isn't it? Just like it was in Jesus' day. Think about this though. Heaven is a perfect place. There is no evil in heaven. There's only good in heaven. Therefore, people think... That the way to get to heaven is by being good. Hey, let's go to church today. Let's get our lives right. We will go to church and let's go to North Etowah and we will uh, go there because that will make us good people. And it doesn't matter where you go to church. Friend, Matthew 19, 16 says, Teacher, what good, there's good again, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus sets this man straight about being good, in verse 17, he said, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one, one good. Only God is good. Jesus is in a sense saying, If you want to call me good, you must be willing to call me God. If you want to call me good, Jesus says, you must be willing to call me God. 
If you will not, listen, if you will not call me God, then you cannot call me good. That's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, okay, let's just see how good you are. You say that you've taken care of all. What? Let's just see how good you are. Friend, you don't even know the meaning of good. That's what Jesus is in a sense saying. And in Matthew 19, verse 17, verse 17 and 18, he said, If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And that man said, which ones? I mean, like, which ones you want me to keep? And then he says, well, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and your neighbor as yourself. Did you notice something? We have, we got them posted on a wall there, ten of them. But Jesus only mentioned six. Well, shucks, I got to looking. Huh. I, I, I started, Mark, you can figure this out. So I looked and I thought, what's going on? Did you notice that these six commandments that Jesus mentioned only deal with fellow mankind, not with God? He left those first four of the ten out. Listen to the ones he left out. No other gods before me. No carved image or idols. Uh, and no, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. See, since this, since this man's God was his money, since this man's God was not the Lord God, Jesus didn't include those commands about God. This lost person cannot worship God because he don't know God. So he can't relate to those commandments about God, those first, those first four. 1 Corinthians, mark this down, 1 Corinthians 2, 14. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 and verse 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. That means foolishness. They're folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are not spiritually discerned. So Jesus spoke only of the commandments that relate to fellow mankind. This lost person, this man that Jesus is talking to, is spiritually bankrupt. If you are here today, if you are listening to my voice, if you don't have God, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are spiritually bankrupt this morning. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, none is righteous, no not one. In Romans 3 and verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2 and verse number 1 says that the lost are dead in trespasses and sin. Spiritually bankrupt means spiritually dead. Friend, if you are lost this morning, you are spiritually dead. This young man here in our scripture thinks... I'm a pretty good fella. I do all the right stuff. He's got that little strut going on probably. He probably wears the right clothes when he goes to church. He probably got the right skin color. And he's got the right orientation about himself. And he sits in the right pew. And he does all the right stuff. And he, he's got it pretty much figured out. He says, I'm pretty good. But Jesus shows him. You're not good enough to enter heaven. Jesus is about to burst this young man's bubble. Friends, before salvation there has to be some bubble bursting. 
that bubble bursting is some repentance. Turning away. Jesus names six commandments. And those six that Jesus named, that young man thinks, well, I've kept all them. But in verse 20, young man said, all these I've kept. What do I still lack? Can't you hear some of the friends today saying that to you? I've done all that. What else do you... The question this morning is this, though. Did that young man keep those commandments that Jesus mentioned or not? Did he keep those commandments? You know, the murder, the adultery, the stealing, and then going... Did he keep those or not? I want to mention this real quick. Take a side note. Those that are listening on the radio right now, you're about to get cut off. But tonight, turn, tune back in at 6 o'clock because it's going to pick back up, all right? So the radio is about to get kicked off in just a minute. I just want to make that a special announcement. You will get right back in on it at 6 o'clock tonight. We're recording, so it's okay. We'll get you right back on. Now let me get back. Did this man, he said, I've kept all those commandments. But did he really? And I ask you today, you say, well, I haven't murdered, I'm not committing, I'm not committing adultery, I'm not, going, not stealing. Not. And you say, I kept all those. I question you, do you really? Here's the reason. You see, Jesus, he preached earlier, and this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus said that these commandments go beyond the outward act. These commandments go beyond the outward act to the intent of the heart. When he's speaking of murder, he's not just talking about a rock or a knife or a gun or a bullet. He is talking also about the tongue. Friends, it's about to get serious in here. Matthew 5.22, pull that up. Matthew 5.22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell fire. Evidently, this young man that we're reading about, Matthew, missed that Sunday sermon. He missed that one. That's just murder, brother. What about the next one? Adultery. You see, Jesus says... I'm not just talking about the, the physical infidelity. Some of you think you've got it under control because you hadn't crossed that little bridge and you try to make all these little rules and try to say, well, if we just do this, it's not really that. If we just do this, just go this far, that's what your boyfriend tries to tell you, girls. If we just go this far, it's not really count in the Bible. False. Look at what Jesus said. It's also lust. In Matthew 5 and verse 28, Jesus talking, he said, But I say to you that everyone who even looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Woe is me, friend. That young man must have missed that Sunday sermon too. Well, what about stealing? Stealing. 
Jesus says it's not just shoplifting, taking a pack of gum or taking that staple, those staples or the paper clips at work or picking up an extra pen. It's it not talking about shoplifting or thievery. It's also envy and greed, that green-eyed monster. Luke 12 and verse 15, Jesus said, Take care and be on guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Friends, it's about to get serious, isn't it? Bearing false witness. Bear false witness. Jesus said it's not just perjury. It's not just that, but it's also gossip and lying. He says... Jesus said, this bearing false witness means you need to treat people the way you want to be treated. Matthew 7 and verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is law and the prophets. What about honoring your mom and your daddy? It's not just saying don't mistreat your mom. It's not saying don't abuse them, don't neglect them, don't curse them. But it's saying honor them as God's gift to you. Follow Christ's example. You see, Jesus didn't speak specifically, but listen to his example. You remember when he was a young lad and his mom and daddy had been in Jerusalem and they had left. And they got down the road and they said, well, hey, you got Jesus some of that's happened to some of us here too, hasn't it? <laughs> you got you, you got you got Junior? No, I ain't got Junior. You got I thought he was with you. I thought he was with you. Oh, we gotta go get him. <laughs> and they took off back to Jerusalem to get him. They took off as quick as they could to go find him. They looked here and there and yawn. You know how kids are. He's hiding from us or something. Where is he at? They finally found him in the least likely of places. They found him in the church house, teaching the preacher. What in the world? And the deacons were there too and all them Sunday school teachers and all them uh, uh, other leaders and even the janitor was there and, and he was telling them all this and reading scriptures to them and they said, Son, you scared us to death. Why'd you do this to us? And he said, Why were you looking for me? This is in Luke 2 verse 49. He said, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus, calm and cool. And Mary and Joseph, they didn't understand. Now, I had lived all that. You look it up in Luke 2, there previously to, to, to verse 49. But in Luke 2, 49, he said, I'm about my father's business. Mary and Joseph didn't understand. But here's the example about honoring your mom and dad. Mary and Joseph didn't understand it, but in verse 51, Jesus went down with them. This is in Luke 2, 51. And they came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Jesus was submissive to his parents. Now, I'm going to blow your mind because you're going to have to think. Jesus created them. <laughs> Jesus was there when the world was created. And now he's submitting to them. 
what an example. That's how to show honor to your parents. Be submissive to your parents like Jesus was. He didn't have to be, but he was. And then he spoke of loving your neighbor. Hmm. Don't just love your neighbor. Jesus said, no, don't just love your neighbor, but love your enemies too. Do what? Look at what Jesus said. He said, you need to love and pray for them. In Matthew 5 and verse 44, 46, he said, but Jesus talking, it's on the screen here, and if you look it up too, verse Matthew 5, 44, he said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same thing? Well, here we are getting close to April the 15th and here Jesus talking about tax collectors. But you love people that love you back. But Jesus said you need to love people that don't love you back. You see this, this man, this young man, he is physically, worldly rich. He's got everything. But this dude is spiritually bankrupt and didn't even know it. God's word tells us to focus on God, not on money. Focus on God, not on money. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So Jesus said, you think you're good, do you, son? I have a greater goal for you, young man. You think you're good, you're saying you're good. For you, this goal is how about perfect? After all, you have to be perfect to get into heaven. Heaven is perfect. Nothing less than perfect is allowed in heaven. Or you're going to mess it up. So why don't your goal, instead of being good, you say you're good, so why don't you just start trying to be perfect? And in verse 21, Jesus said that. He said, if you will be, <coughs> excuse me, if you will be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. <laughs> you are thinking it just like that man was thinking it. Perfect? Perfect is impossible. I can't be perfect. Bingo. You got it. Now you're getting there. Now you're starting to understand what Jesus is trying to tell you. The disciples thought the same thing. In, in verse 25, the disciples heard this. They were greatly astonished saying, who then can be saved? Everybody got to be perfect. How can you even get saved? Perfection, friends, is impossible. You are right. And so is this man. In verse 23 and 24, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The needle, the Greek word there is rothis. That means a sewing needle. Now, y'all might be sewing people, and you know what a sewing needle is. Can a camel fit through a sewing needle? No. 
One person knew it was no. No, you can't fit a camel through a sewing needle. It's impossible. Can a person be perfect? No, it's impossible. So you see, you're getting it. You're getting it. Can a rich person go to heaven because of his richness or because of his goodness? It's impossible. You see what Jesus is doing here? How then can one get to heaven? Friend, how can you get to heaven? How can I get? Only by the grace of God. You can't buy your way. You can't do good deeds enough for, you, for yourself. Verse 26. But Jesus looked at him and said, With man it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I can even save you. That's what Jesus is saying. The Ten Commandments are not meant to save. The Ten Commandments, you know what those are? It's a mirror to show me and you how sinful we really are. We see how bad off we are. And we see our need of a Savior who is perfect. God and God alone. None of us here are perfect. Therefore, if God alone is perfect, you and I must have our sins forgiven. When we die, we, you, all of us, are going to face God. You know what God's going to see when he looks at you? God is going to look at you and he's going to see you and your sins and you're going to go to hell. Or he's going to look at you and he's going to see you and his son's forgiveness of your sins and you're going to be entering into the joy of heaven. The question comes up, how many sins must be committed in order to be this spiritually bankrupt that you're talking about, preacher? To be spiritually dead, how many sins would I... <coughs> would it be a thousand sins that causes me to be spiritually bankrupt? Because some of us have lived longer than others, so, you know, we got to weigh this out. Would it be a hundred sins that cause us to be spiritually bankrupt? Maybe would it be just one sin that causes us to be spiritually bankrupt? James 2, verse 10. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. All of it. We are all spiritually dead, friends. If we come to Jesus just as I am, what are we saying we are? We are a child of Satan and we're spiritually bankrupt. But if you come just as I am, you're also lost. Lost. That means you're headed in the wrong direction. That means you are going the wrong way. That means you're on your way to eternity in hell. That means you're walking away from the grace of God and his salvation. Jesus here tells this young man to go. And that young man went. 
but he went in the wrong direction. In 21, 22, Jesus said, if you will be perfect, go and sell all you possess and give the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Verse 22, though, says the man heard that. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowfully. Went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Why did Jesus tell that young man, go sell everything you have. Go get rid of all, the, all your possessions. Sell it and give it to the poor. Because you know as well as I do of Jesus that asked that rich feller for a donation. He said, oh yeah, how much you need? Let me, let me get my... Give him a credit card, my wallet, and how much can we donate? So let's donate, yeah. But Jesus said, sell it, give it all away to the poor. To sell all and to get rid of it all, forget it. I need to have me some fluff money here. What did Jesus tell him to do? He said, sell it. Why did Jesus tell him to do that? Because I'm going to be, I'm going to agree with you. Some of you are saying that sounds like a work salvation to me. I'm agreeing. It sounds that way. It looks that way. But Jesus is making a point. He's showing this man that his riches are standing in the way of salvation. And for this man, Jesus said, we got to take all that away. Because you're, you're resting in your money. You're resting in what you got. You're resting in all the blessings that I've given you. And you just ugh, making me sick. I'm going to take it all away first before you can enjoy salvation. So Jesus tells him, says, you got to get rid of all this because your riches are standing in the way of salvation. This man was disobeying the first two commandments. He said, no other gods before me. Money. He disobeying. He said, make no graven image or idols. Money, he was disobeying. So the man was already disobeying those two about God. The man counted the cost. He said, I can have my money or I can have eternal life. The man counted the cost. He said, I can have my money now or I can have treasure in heaven later. He counted the cost. I'm going to keep it all or I'm going to give it all away. He counted the cost. Money was standing in the way of his relationship with God. The difficulty of entering heaven in verse 23 versus the easier way in verse 24 was money. He said, truly I say to you in verse 23, truly I say to you only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. As long as this man had money, he had no need for a savior. Hear that. As long as this young man had money, he had no need of a savior. Jesus said, I got to take that away so that you'll start relying on me. See, this man's physical comfort was masked by his spiritual poverty. In Mark 8, 36, it says, For what does a man profit to gain the whole world and for forfeit his soul? So to get back to our focal text in Matthew 19, it says, When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. Verse 25, Matthew 19, 25. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then? You're making this crazy difficult. Who then can be saved? The disciples are getting frustrated too. And Jesus said, 
With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, salvation is a God thing. Salvation is a grace thing. Salvation is a mercy thing. Salvation doesn't have anything to do with money. It's not a money thing. It doesn't have anything to do with goodness and your good works. It doesn't have anything to do with what you do and friends. Salvation is a God thing. Today, what is standing in your way? What is standing in your way? What is keeping you from giving it all? To Jesus. What's standing in your way of rededicating yourself, church member? What's standing in your way? For this man, it was it was money, dollar signs. It was pride for him. Maybe we got a little bit of that here too. I don't know. But what was standing in your way? What is? See, that money wasn't going to get him to heaven. And his pride sure not going to get him to heaven. So what's standing in your way today? Nothing is going to get you to heaven except the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace have you been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Friend, you're not going to heaven because you're a church person. And you're not going to heaven because you're a Southern Baptist. And you're not going to heaven because you happen to be here today. And you're not going to heaven because you do the right things at school or at work. And you're not going to heaven before any of that. Won't you come just as you are? Won't you join me? And being a filthy rag that only God could put enough grace on me to save me. Baptism doesn't get you to heaven. Morality isn't going to get you to heaven. Good deeds, church attendance, singing songs even those you don't like. Praying prayers even when you do it in the King James Version. Reading the Bible, no matter what translation you use. Listening to sermons, 
not just at your church, but also on the radio and internet through the week. None of that is going to get you to heaven. The only way to salvation is to come just as you are, without one plea. Friend, admit your sin. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Confess him as your Lord. Turn from the way you've been living and turn to him. Come just as you are a sinner, spiritually bankrupt, lost. Let's pray, and then we'll sing just as I am. Father God, we come into your presence as we enter your throne room to pray. And God, I pray your word has been proclaimed, and I pray now that you would bring whatever your will is to be done. Lord, I pray for this time of response that you will lead your people or others to come to a realization of our need of you. So God, whatever occurs, let it be in your will. Get our pride and selfish ambitions away, but let us look to you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the services at North Etowah Baptist Church. If you made a decision for Christ today, head over to northetowah.org slash contact. Fill out the form and someone from our staff will be quick to contact you. Not to mention, we'd love to worship with you. All worship times and other activities can be found on our website. Thanks again for listening and may God bless.